somewhat grow up together. Um, particularly, we have an annual pilgrimage to Belgrave Heights at Easter that our family still, now with all our little families, yeah. um, come and be part of. So it's really precious. Cathy mm. um, was also co-founder and vice president of a group I was quite involved in in the mid to late 90s. <laughs> it was called the 4Gs, the Gorgeous Giggling Girls Group. <laughs> and I was secretary and treasurer. <laughs> It was closely modelled on the Babysitter's Club, if you remember those books. Um, it was epic. We had monthly newsletters. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, oh, so good. So, I guess I know a bit about Cathy, but I'd love to give you a chance to share. Um, these guys, I don't know, some of you might know Cathy better than others, but um, we'd love to hear a bit about your family, maybe, yeah. and where you guys are at at the moment. Yeah, yeah. thanks. It is really special to be introduced um, by Mel, even if she exposes our um, <laughs> childhood <laughs> shenanigans. <laughs> um, yeah, it is so great to be here. I have two little, I have a husband and two little kids at home. Wesley is three and a half and India is one and a half. So we're just sitting, a few of us younger mums on the end of the table going, I'm so tired. <laughs> And Kaz was like, it's not forever, guys. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I love them and love being their mum. It's such a privilege to be their mum most of the time. <laughs> no, they're great. Um, Kathy and Andy have been involved in Warrandyte yeah. previously. Do you want to share what you've been doing sure. and where you're at now? Yeah. And, well, you play a few different hats. You've got a few, a few different hats. hats yeah. So, so um, Andy, my husband, was youth and young adults pastor at Warrandyte Community Church for the last five years, so that's been our home. Um, and in that way, I kind of feel quite connected to Canterbury Gardens. Um, I feel like it's kind of our sister church, partly because we shared state youth games together. <laughs> and for those of you that have been, anytime you share any event with a thousand other teenagers, you feel quite bonded. So <laughs> I do feel quite connected. Um, and yeah, it is really great to be here. We've since moved to um, minister with Operation Mobilisation, OM, which some of you might be familiar with, and Overseas Mission and, and Aid Organisation. Um, so I work in the aid and development section, managing a few projects um, there, which I just love. It's, um, yeah, it's amazing to see what God is doing around the world um, and to hear stories of that. Uh, I also teach community development at um, Monash Uni, so I have two days of work and um, the rest are home with my beautiful kids. So yeah, it's full and good. Full and good. It's so good. We're just thrilled to have you, Kathy. I'd love to pray for you before you share, and then um, we'll look forward to hearing what God has to say. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your servant, Kathy, and I pray now that your words would be um, coming through her, that um, she would only speak what you would. Have us here. I pray that our hearts will be soft to your message this morning. And I pray that our ears will be attentive, our eyes will be wide open, mm-hmm. and, um, and Lord, that you would speak to us today. In your wonderful name, Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mel. Thanks so much. Um, is anyone else not really a morning person? <laughs> Excellent. Great. <laughs> I deliberately chose my son's. Um, Kinder times based on the ones that were in the afternoon because I was like eight thirty. So I don't know how. Please pray for me as I head towards school years because I don't know how that's going to go. Uh, but it is great to be here um, this morning, and I was pretty stoked that I wasn't the eight o'clock shift or anything like that to speak. 
Um, so, let me find my page. Um, I'm not sure how you feel, apart from it being quite early, I'm not sure how you feel about being at a prayer breakfast this morning, but I have to confess I've actually never been to a prayer breakfast before. So I feel like somewhat of a fraud coming and then sharing (laughs) at one. And so maybe you haven't been at one before either. Maybe you're a little bit nervous because, like, what if they ask us to pray out loud? And that can be scary for some of us. Maybe you're still exploring Jesus, and so this is all quite new and not sure about it. Maybe you are like a woman that I met two weeks ago who told me that her and her husband, she has 15 grandchildren, and her and her husband spend at least an hour a night praying for her kids and her friends' kids. So I don't know, I know there are faithful prayers in this room. I also know that there are those of us who find it hard, and I know there are those of us who are still just trying to sort out this whole Jesus Christianity thing. So I just want to say from the outset that wherever you're at, know that I'm still working out this journey too, um, and this journey of what it looks like to follow Jesus and how to communicate with him, which is what prayer is all about. Maybe you're a little bit like my son, who is three and a half, and who I thought, oh, I know, I really want to teach him to hear God's voice. I was maybe a little bit optimistic, but I thought, I know, as part of like our bedtime routine, instead of just saying, thank you, God, for today, and thank you for this, and thank you for that, we're going to pause and actually see if, you know, we can hear God's voice and what he might want to say to us. So the first time we did this, like the other picture, I'm sitting next to his bed, (coughs) We said, thank you to God for everything. I'm like, okay, Wes. So now we're going to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Is there anything you want to say to me today? He's like, oh, they're like really keen. Yeah, super keen. First child, so like, you know, wants to please me. <laughs> so like, great. Um, so, okay, okay, you ready? Yep. So we said, thank you, Jesus, for today. Sitting there like this, what do you want to say to me today? And I said, Wes, did you hear God say anything? He said, yes. I'm like, amazing, amazing. I'm like, I've got some child prodigy. Like, he's, he's hearing from God and it's going to be prophetic and it's going to be amazing. Anyway, he goes to me, so Wes, what did you hear? And I'm glad we finished eating. He goes, God told me he loves my boogers. <laughs> I kid you not. I'm so sorry. That is so gross. And I'll, I didn't know whether to laugh or cry or just like crawl in a hole this to go. <laughs> and so we've continued to do that little rhythm at our house and um, God has talked to Wes about everything from his new scooter to uh, his shoes to all sorts of things that he feels like God loves about him. Um, so I don't know, maybe your prayer life looks something like what like Wes in just learning the ropes a little bit about what it might mean to hear and speak to God. I, as a part of working at OM, I feel like I've had the incredible privilege to hear stories of answered prayer from around the world. And um, I was hearing a story the other day about these nurses from Zambia, and they were going out to rural areas, so they kind of had a main base in a more uh, urban area. And they're going out to rural areas um, to do work in these more remote places. And they kept coming back together and going, there's something not working about this. There doesn't seem, it doesn't seem to long-term be having any impact. Um, you know, it's not... We're going back to fix the same things over and over again. We're not sure what to do. And so they took a day to just go off on their own and to ask God, you know, what is it you want us to do? And they all came back and separately said, I think we're meant to go and start prayer rooms. 
and not take our medical equipment with us. And one by one, as they all said that, they're all like, oh, I thought I was so silly for saying that. I thought I was so silly. And they're like, no, I, I heard it too. I heard it too. And so they decided to listen to what God was saying. And they went off to these remote villages with no medical equipment and set up these um, prayer rooms. And in one particular place, um, the lady talks about seeing this um, woman come in with scoliosis. I think she was about 16, actually. And she's like, oh, no, God, this is a big thing to ask healing for. Like one thing for, you know, maybe a, a smaller ailment, but this is big. And, um, so, but she said, I believe this is what God has asked us to do. And so they prayed for her and in front of their eyes, she was healed. Such is the power of our God, hey? And, um, and these prayer rooms have seen literally thousands of people being healed with no medical equipment. Now, hear me out, medical, you know, medicine is hugely important, but so is prayer, and the power of prayer is amazing. And I was hoping today that what God would lay on my heart is all these stories that I could tell you about the power of prayer and ways that God has, you know, moving around the world, but it's not where he led me. And then I kind of thought, oh, you know, I 100% believe in the power of prayer and I've seen it in my own life. Maybe he wants me to talk more about the discipline side of it, like Florina alluded to this morning. Celebration of Discipline is one of the books that has spoken most powerfully to me as an incredibly undisciplined person to learn how to put in place these rhythms in my life so that I can hear and talk to God and grow in my relationship with him. But it wasn't what I felt like you want to talk to us about this morning. Steady led me to Galatians 5. I'm going to read a little bit from there this morning. I'm actually going to use the message version. I'm sorry. Um, if, no, not sorry. I just feel like for those of us that have heard Galatians 5 a lot, it kind of brings a freshness to it. And for those of us that may be new to the Bible, it, um, I think it, it's quite accessible. So uh, it's not always what I used to study, but today I really felt like it brings a really fresh look at it. So I'm going from Galatians 5. And verse 1. And I'm just going to read the very first sentence here, which some of you will be very familiar with in, um, in probably more the NIV version. But have a listen to this. Galatians 1 says... Galatians 5, sorry, did I say 1? <laughs> sorry. Like, that's not the one I was looking for. Galatians 5, pardon? It's early morning. It is. <laughs> exactly. Thank you for your grace. Galatians 5, verse 1 said, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Christ has set us free to live a free life. I think this is the best news. It is the heart of the gospel is that we are free. And when I look at our world today, and when I look sometimes at my own life too, I see so many ways in which people are not free. Ways in which we, what the Bible would call, are slaves to other things. Things that have us captive. Things that have us trapped. Things that we are controlled by. And I wondered if just in your table today, we're going to ask, I'm going to ask you to just share briefly what you think are some of the things, if we're saying slavery is being controlled by something, what are some of the things that we as a culture see that people might be trapped or enslaved or, in, or controlled by? What are some of the things that come to mind when you think about, about that, about things that people might be trapped or enslaved by? Let me give you an example. I think in some ways we are enslaved by food. Our culture is obsessed by food. I went to this unbelievable restaurant last night 
a friend of mine shouted me for my birthday. I just kept like, you know when things arrive at your, on your thing, and I'm like, I could A, never make that, and B, what even is this? Like, it was like this taste sensation, quite foreign foods for me, absolutely beautiful. It, it was packed, yeah? And people spending exorbitant amounts of money on food. And things like MasterChef and, you know, all those things that I, we're often driven by, what am I going to eat next? Um, it, beca- it can become something we're controlled by an addiction that we have. So why don't you, in your tables now, just quickly think of maybe three things that you feel like our culture can get trapped, not bad in themselves, but can get trapped or enslaved or controlled by. And then we'll talk about it um, together. All right, let's see if we can just share together some brave people who are happy to, to speak up. What are some things that you feel like our culture kind of ends up being trapped or addicted by? Who wants to go first? Yeah. Yeah, we um, believe that um, it's the technology, the rise of Mm. information, communications, technology, that we, instead of having a quality time together in the family, Mm -hmm. everyone is just... Totally. And then at work, I see that at work, I was about to say hi, but... Then she's busy also scrolling down, checking your Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Where is the time? So technology is taking the communication that we ought to be having, just building that relationship because we're so engrossed of what's happening in my, you know? Totally. Do you know the average 30-year-old checks their Facebook feed 45 times a day? 45 times a day. Yeah. That's not a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. So you're totally right. And it becomes controlling. God has so spoken to me about this. I had to take Facebook off my phone because I was becoming addicted to it. Yeah. And it was speaking into my life rather than God, right? It takes that place. Um, great. Thank you so much for sharing. Someone else, what do we... We were saying work. I mean, the, yeah. Yeah. Who else spoke about that? Like work or career, that sort of thing. Yep. Yep. Few hands. Great. What else? Yep. So I think sort of at the end we came up with um, control and anxiety. We kind of. Um, yeah. Can you explain that a bit more? Oh, anxiety is like um, a modern day epidemic, really. Mm, it is. Um, probably springs from the reliance upon technology and, and um, young folks and older folks' opinion of what other people's opinions of them should be. Totally. Control is when you sort of, I mean, even with the best, in, best of intentions, it's like um, my life is supposed to be like this, especially as a Christian. Yeah. Okay? My life is supposed to go that way. My children are supposed to be this way, yeah. right? Yeah. My um, my prayer life, the way that I dress, all that sort of thing. And then as you get older and you realise you didn't have a lot of control in the end anyway, yeah. you start to get anxious because you can no longer control things. Yeah, totally. And so so anyway, that's linked. what I'm saying there together. Absolutely, yeah. It's such a good insight. We said material possessions. Yep. Yeah, wanting stuff, definitely. Wanting a hazard to look a certain way, wanting to dress a certain way. Oh, definitely. Yep. Political correctness, it's controlling society at the moment. Oh, yes. And the other, other part, offshoot from that is people being offended on behalf of other people. Yes. It's controlling people's natural beliefs and that 
they just keep quiet. They're not going to speak up anymore. Definitely, yeah. So it's the loudest voices have got the most say. It certainly is, yeah. And has been like that for centuries, I think, I with different things. Yeah, I for sure. Media. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. Anyone else? We see our children as much as we love them so much. It takes over our lives in that we're always there for them. Definitely. And as having a brand new grandson again. <laughs> Definitely. Well, even just our children, our grandchildren, I would think too. Yeah, definitely. Great. So many things, right, that can end up controlling us, can end up being addicted um, to the opinion of others. I think for women sometimes, us as women, can be a huge thing. Caring so much about what other people think or how they view us um, can be huge. Have a listen to what it says, this kind of, um, this lifestyle, so an unfree life says in uh, 19 to 21 in Galatians 5. It says, It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, Paranoid loneliness isn't loneliness just such. That is at epidemic levels, I would say, as, as much as anxiety. Cutthroat competition. All-consuming yet never satisfied wants. It's our consumerism stuff. A brutal temper and impotence, impotence to be loved or loved. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalising everyone into a rival uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. And it says, I could go on. Endless lists of what happens when we are not free. Uh, Two weeks ago, I went to a baptism in a backyard swimming pool. And there was about 30 people there. And a man and his grandpa got baptised. And I actually didn't know these people at all. My husband had a bit to do um, with the guy, probably in his 30s, who was getting baptised. And he, uh, he had probably spent about the last 15 years heavily on drugs, um, completely addicted to them. But as we sat there that day, we were in a big circle, and he invited his mum, who isn't a Christian, and his um, grandma and grandpa, who also weren't Christians but had looked after him. He invited them to come along too. And this moment, we were all just like tears streaming down our face as he said to his mum, Mum, I'm so sorry for all the hurt and pain that I've caused you. Um, Will you forgive me? I now know Jesus. And he said, Jesus has set me free. And he turned to his grandparents and he said, thank you for taking me in. Um, Again, he said, Jesus has set me free. And uh, when the the man who was kind of leading it said, you know, we're baptising this guy called Matt today. Does anyone else want to be baptised too? And his grandpa, who wasn't a Christian, put his hand up and said, I want to be free like Matt is free. Can I be baptised today too? So he was baptised too. Jesus sets people free and he sets us free. And I think it is an amazing truth. And one that sometimes if we've been walking this journey a long time, we kind of know that he sets us free from sin. Yeah, We know that he sets us free um, because of what he did on the cross when he died and rising again and set us free to live eternal life with him. 
but he also sets us free and gives us grace for every part of our life with him. And that includes our prayer life. Because so often when people, if people said something like, how's your prayer life going, Kathy? My facial expression would probably be like, because And immediately my feel I don't know what your feeling is, is kind of one of guilt. Oh, I should be better. I should be praying more. I should, you know, set aside more time. Those should statements all the time. And what God has been showing me is that, that he has grace for all of that. It does, I, and the religious part of me, if you like, that springs up is like, but it's important to be disciplined. It's important. Yes, it is all of that, 100%. But I think what he wants to say today is that he actually came to set us free, not to give us this massive burden. When we say pray without ceasing, like you read so beautifully for us this morning, that is not a burden. It is actually an invitation to a life of prayer with him. I feel like in the last little while, God has really set me free what can be the burden and sometimes the shame of our prayer life, of our intimate times with Jesus. This is our starting place for talking about prayer, is that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. His grace extends over every part of our life and walk with him. We have to choose to do this, though. If we go back to verse 1, it said, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Yeah, this is something that God has commanded us to do. Take your stand and never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Okay, so it is not a once-off, this is done now. It is something that we have to continually say, I am free and I choose not to be enslaved by any of the things that we talked about, including the guilt or the shame or the condemnation that we might feel for how our prayer life is or isn't going. For now there is no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. We are free people in a way that the rest of the world cannot experience until they have Jesus. Have a look then at what this free life Uh, looks like it is exciting 22 to 23 says what happens when we live God's way he brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard things like affection for others exuberance about life serenity we develop a willingness to stick with things a sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. And the next verse is what stood out for me. Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. My list of, oh, I should do it this way and I should do this and I should be more like this, actually cannot bring about this fullness of life that we have in the spirit when we are free in him. In fact, it says... Legalism is helpless in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. So not only does it not able to do it, it actually stops us from experiencing this life in the spirit. As I have kind of allowed grace to permeate this area of my life, prayer and my prayer life, I thought it would make me lazier. I thought it would make me like, you know, and Paul kind of talks about that as well. Uh, in, in the... Um, don't let, oh, I can't remember what the verse is now. You, you, a lot of you will be familiar with it anyway. But don't let the grace that you've experienced, don't abuse that, essentially. Yeah? Don't abuse the grace that you've been given. And I thought it, it would make me lazier and I'd be like, oh, it's great. I'm covered by grace. You know? I don't need to worry about praying regularly or being burdened by, by that. It's actually had the opposite effect. The freedom that I have then experienced 
has drawn me closer to Jesus and wanting to spend more time with him. It's no excuse. It's no substitute. There is nothing like getting one-on-one with Jesus and allow him to speak into our lives. But when we make it legalistic, we miss out on the beauty of relationship with him. And as I gave myself more grace or experienced Jesus' grace, it was not guilt I felt as I thought about my prayer life, but actually excitement about what Jesus would do next. In 25... I've closed it now. That was silly. In verse 25 to 26, um, it talks about... I'm actually going to find the gate. In verse 25 to 26, it says... Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, so those of us that have chosen to follow Jesus, we've chosen to live this life that is so full and free. Uh, The life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or as a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. And when I read this a few weeks ago, as I was preparing for this, I was like, oh, I'm not really sure how this plays out in every detail of my life. And I feel like God has just brought instance after instance after instance for me to share with you today of how, what this looks like in our everyday life, to experience the freedom and grace of Jesus in our prayer life. I hope this makes sense to you. Let me give you a few snapshots. Talked to a girl two weeks ago, and at the end she said, I think God meant for you and I to talk tonight. I think God meant for you and I to talk tonight. What, we were at this um, launch of this documentary that Owen has put together that some of you might have seen. Um, and this girl came up to me, she's like, oh, I don't really know why, I just want to kind of talk about the movie. I'm like, great, you know, what, what do you feel like God's saying to you tonight? And as she talked, it turns out we had a ridiculous amount of things in common. You know that feeling when you're like, no way, you know that person too. I can't believe, like, I've never met you before. She'd studied at the university that I teach at under the, like, lecturers that I work with, so she knew all my colleagues. She spoke the same language as me because she did development and public health, which is what I teach. She's passionate about Indigenous Australia, which is where Andy and I had spent some time. She knew the community that Andy and I had lived in, even though it's so remote and no one's ever heard of it. And so at the end of it, she was like, I think we were meant to meet. And I'm like, I think we were too. Those amazing little moments where I walked away praising God. Because I was like, God, in that moment, I didn't, I didn't pray. God, please help me to meet the person that you want tonight. But as I walked in step with his spirit, he brought me to the person that he wanted me to speak to. And that drew me afterwards to just want to praise him and worship him. Two days later, a text from a friend who's not a Christian. Kathy, you must have a sixth sense. I bet you've got texts like this before too. Oh, I'd messaged this girl. She'd just come to my mind, right? It was, I would not have even claimed it was a God thing. I just thought of my friend and I was like, oh, I'll text her. She had a baby maybe seven or eight weeks ago. I'll see how she's going. Text said, Kathy, you must have a sixth sense. Today's been the worst day since having Leo. I'm really struggling. Now, that sixth sense is the Holy Spirit. Right? We know that to be true. And so then what did it do? It draws me closer to Jesus because I'm like, Jesus, you are working in me even when I don't spend two hours in the morning in prayer. Your grace and your freedom for me is so big that it allows you to work through me even when I may not be particularly disciplined to allow me to minister to other people. The next day I was at work and I said to, a bit out of the blue, a friend, how is your marriage going? And she's like, whoa, it's really weird that you would ask me that today. You've had those instances too, and the Holy Spirit has just prompted you to do that. And the more it's happened, the more I'm, I, it draws me closer to Jesus. Can you see how it's like kind of the reverse of, oh, I need to you know, be really disciplined, which we do. 
But the reverse is true too, that his grace and his freedom is just so big, it's so great for us, that even as I walk and listen to his voice, and as you do the same thing, it draws us closer to him as we see him working it out in every detail, like the passage says, in our lives. I met this lady, it kind of got a bit funny in my life, because I was like, who am I going to meet today? Which is kind of an exciting way to live, right? <laughs> so the next day, I was in the park, and my kids have been so sick, and so I was like, just so happy to be outdoors, and honestly, I didn't really want to talk to anyone, because I was just like, I was sick, and we'd all been sick and miserable. So at the park, and there's a lady there with her three daughters, and she goes, oh, hi, and I'm like, hi, and she clearly wanted to chat, so I was like, oh, how are you going? She's just moved from Bangladesh. She does not know a single soul in Melbourne. Not another adult in Melbourne. Unbelievable. And she's like, oh, do you want to come around for tea? And I'm like, yes, because I was meant to meet you today. And as the Holy Spirit leads us, it it kind of is ridiculous. (laughs) But so exciting to journey with him. Not out of a legalism of I should pray without ceasing, but out of a, oh, I get to pray without ceasing. I get to be involved in what he is doing in this world. The next day, I... um, I had organised this meeting. I was trying to set up these two women to work together. I was like, I think they'd work really well together. I think they have skills that we could use, ironically enough, in Bangladesh. Um, and, I, you know, so I was trying... I was like, in my mind, I was like, oh, I really need this meeting to work. And I had prayed about it. I was like, God, please would you just direct this meeting? And so I um, met with this girl to try and convince her, if you like, to meet with this other girl. And so I'm like, oh... Hi, Lauren, you know, I I really just wanted to connect with you to see if you would mind meeting up with um, my friend Esther. I think you guys, you know, might have something that you could do together. She's like, Esther? Like Esther so-and-so? Oh, yeah, I know her. I've got a number. I'll just text her now. And I was like, thank you, God. (laughs) after this for me. (laughs) Amazing. And even last night, I was catching up with a friend at this beautiful dinner who isn't walking with Jesus. And, um... As I was sitting there listening to her, she was really challenging me about a lot of my beliefs and was quite confrontational and all of that. And I was sitting there going, this is the moment when, Jesus, I just need you so much. And so I was able to pray as I was talking to her. And I don't know that my words were particularly wise, but I trust that God used me in my responses that I, I gave her. And I think I came away from that going, it's not at, like it is that I'm dependent in prayer, but it's actually that I'm dependent on the grace of Jesus and that he is the one that does the work for me. It is not about how many hours I've spent in prayer, although that is important. It's actually about his grace and the freedom that he gives us to walk and step with him on this adventure that we get to do. Amen? So I thought this morning, as we finish up, uh, that maybe together in your group, you might want to just, and I know there'll be some of you, I totally get it, who are like, oh, I just need to process, I don't really want to talk about anything, and, and that's fine too. But maybe there's a space um, where you'd like to just share about maybe a story like some of mine. These are not extraordinary stories, yeah? It's an extraordinary God that we serve, and he's the same God that if you've chosen to follow Jesus, lives in each one of us, yeah? He wants to use us in our daily life as we commune con- constantly with him. Um, and so I invite you just in your table now to maybe share some of those instances that might have come to mind. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember once when I, you know, thought of a friend and dropped it off and it was just the perfect time or whatever it happens to be. Or maybe about what he's challenged you about this morning from the beautiful readings we had at the start and the thoughts that the women shared around there. 
um, to even our times of silence, we had um, in the forgiveness section as well, to what I've shared this morning. I wonder what it is he's put on your heart and if you feel like brave enough to share that maybe with your group this morning. Maybe there's something that he wants to set you free from today as well. Um, you'd be welcome to share about that. So just give you a few minutes to talk in your group, debrief if you need to, um, tell a story if you need to, and then I'll come back and pray for us at um, the end of it. Sorry to interrupt. Like, good discussion happening. Please continue telling stories over more coffee and morning tea this morning. Or the extension of breakfast. Because <laughs> um, there's still food there. I just want to pray um, for us, not just, I want to pray for us um, this morning that we will experience that freedom that Christ has given and the grace that covers over us, that there won't be guilt or condemnation in any area of our life because of what Jesus has done on the cross. So will you join us in a while? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for what you did on the cross. Thank you for dying and rising again, that we might live lives that are free, that we are no longer bound to be slaves to the things of this world, but that we have complete freedom in you. Thank you for your grace which covers over everything, not just our salvation, but as we work out our salvation in every detail of our life. Your grace covers it, Lord, and I thank you for that. And I thank you that as we get to experience this life with you and with your spirit, walking hand in hand, that you bring about divine appointments, that you use us despite our weaknesses, maybe because of them, because in our weaknesses you are so strong. Um, and so, God, I pray for each one of us this morning that we will have a heightened sense of what you're doing in the world, that we will be listening to you in the conversations that we have, in the people that we meet, in our everyday, normal lives. Lord Jesus, we just so want to be used by you for your glory. So we give ourselves over to you. Lord Jesus, would you use us in your precious name. Amen. Thanks, Christ.